Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you, now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being here once again. As We have a ton to talk about in this one. An emotional roller coaster type of weekend for the Mariners. Some huge ups, some big downs as well in the three-game series against the Cubs. We'll break it all down coming up in a few minutes. Also... It's hard to find a more unique managerial day than the one Joe Madden had yesterday against the Mariners for the Cubs. Aaron Goldsmith, a very interesting conversation with the Cubs manager coming up. Rick Riz subbing on bullpen banter. That comes up in a few minutes. And the week that was, and a week that included Ken Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. You look at the series against the Cubs over the weekend. The Mariners, of course, had taken two of three against the Blue Jays. They split with Pittsburgh, uh, demolished on Friday as the Cubs break out the sticks. But then Saturday, the Mariners come back in one of the more entertaining games of the season. Leonis Martin did something that is nearly impossible to do especially lefties against Chapman, but he came up huge. The stretch and the pitch on the way. Swing and a line drive into the gap in left center field. All the way to the wall. Here comes O'Malley. Rounding third, Oki. He's going to score. And it's second, Martin with a two-run, two-out double. Here in the top of the eighth inning, the throw in by Fowler, cut off by Russell. And the Mariners have the lead 2-1 to one over the Cubs. Here's the set, and now the 0-1 pitch to Cano. And it's in the dirt, gets on by Montero. Here comes Martin on a score and a wild pitch. And that's why you steal third. Holy smokes, it hit off the brick. Backstop behind home plate. The ball rolled all the way to the third base coach, Manny Acta. Martin will score on a wild pitch. And it's now the Mariners three and the Cubs one. Only the eighth double Chapman has surrendered in his career against a left-handed hitter. The He allowed three hits against lefties coming in this season and only one extra base hit before that. Wade Miley, as it turns out, his last start as a Mariner was outstanding. 
and the Mariners get the win to split the series. We'll talk more about the deadline coming up on the podcast tomorrow. Of course, today is deadline day, 1 o'clock Pacific. The Mariners making a move yesterday. Wade Miley sent to Baltimore. And again, we'll talk more about that coming up in the next couple of days on the podcast. So the series split. The Mariners looking for the series win. Sunday night baseball, Felix Hernandez on the hill. It was all set up. It was a great start for the Mariners. In fact, I don't think you could have scripted a better start. Mattis on the hill for the Cubs, getting the spot start. And it's funny, the last time he was on a major league mound, it was against the Mariners. He gave up home runs to Kyle Seeger and Nelson Cruz. That was back in May. And here he was in the very first inning with two outs, Facing Nelson Cruz once again. Here's the pitch of the way. Swing and a high fly ball. Deep to left center field. Coglin going back. Looking up. Goodbye baseball. Way back into the bleachers. Nelson Cruz with his 26th home run of the season. It's a two-run shot. It comes with Sean O'Malley aboard. And the Mariners have taken a 2-0 lead over the Cubs here in the first. 13 home runs against lefties this year for Nelson Cruz. That's the most in baseball. In fact, it's so many. He just needs two to catch the Philadelphia Phillies as a team. He has really mashed lefties with the long ball this year. 2-0 early on. Felix Hernandez in the first inning. He walked the first two hitters he saw, but after that, struck out the side. And the pitch on the way, and a swing, and a miss, strike three, strikes out Addison Russell. And after walking the first two batters here in the bottom of the first, Felix comes back to strike out the side, fanning Rizzo, Zobrist, and Addison Russell to get out of a jam. How about that? Was showing a ton of movement. Everything was down, which was good early on. Did throws. Uh, a lot of pitches in the first inning, but gets out of trouble without any issues. Striking out Rizzo, Zobrist, Russell. Not easy to do, but the King, Felix Hernandez, does it in the first. And then the Mariners strike again. Another two-run home run in the second inning. Here's the stretch on the pitch. Swing and a drive deep to right field. Hayward going back, looking up. Goodbye baseball. Robinson Cano with a two-out, two-run home run into the bleachers. In straightaway right field, his 23rd home run of the season. And it's now the Mariners four, the Cubs nothing, and they're getting on Brian Mattis early in this ballgame. What a drive by Cano. Two-run home run in the first, two-run home run in the second. And another two-run home run in the third. Mattis comes set right at the chest stand from the stretch. He fires. Lee swings and lofts this deep towards left center field. It might get out, and it's gone. The Mariners have homered in each of the first three innings here tonight. And the Bluebirds have taken flight on the north side of Chicago. They are soaring as the Mariners have taken a 6-0 lead on home run number 13. By Day Holy. Mariners now 52 long balls against lefties this year. That's the most in baseball by a lot. They're up by 10 on the second most, and that's the Cubs with 42. That's a lot of long balls against lefties. A 6 nothing lead with Felix on the mound looking sharp. Things were looking awfully good for the Mariners. And the one-two pitch and a swing and a miss by Contreras for strike three. That is strikeout number six. For Felix Hernandez, and that's it for the Cubs in the bottom of the fourth inning. What a night here at Wrigley for the King. 
And then he would get a big seventh strikeout of Rizzo in the fifth. And the one-two on the way to Rizzo. It is strike three called. He got him looking with a fastball on the inside corner for strike three, and that is out number two. It is strikeout number seven for the King. He needed one right there, and he got it. Yeah, but in the fifth inning, couldn't get out of it. After the strikeout, Zobrist would walk with the bases loaded to drive and a run, and then Russell gets hit by a pitch with the bases loaded. And the 0-2 on the way, and it's inside, and that hits Russell. Felix hits Russell in the jersey about belt high, and that will force in Fowler. And it's now the Mariners 6 and the Cubs 2. Russell... We'll get an RBI out of it. Hit by a pitch. Zobris down at second. Bryant is on at third. And now the Cubs have the tie and run at home plate in Jason Hayward. Felix would strike out Hayward. That would be number eight in the ball game for Felix. And, of course, he'd be done. He threw a lot of pitches to get through five. Cubs get two runs in the inning with only one hit in the inning. And then some opportunities for the Mariners in the sixth and the seventh inning. And these two innings, you look back on after a result, and those were huge opportunities that went by the wayside. In the sixth inning, Lee walks, Zanino doubles, another walk, the bases jammed there, loaded with nobody out, a strikeout of O'Malley, a strikeout of Martin, and Cano pops up to shortstop. That is the inning. The Mariners, a golden opportunity to really add on to their 6-1, to 6-2 uh, lead at that point and really extend things, which at Wrigley Field, you really need to do. And they did not do it, and the Cubs would make them pay later on in the ballgame. Also, another opportunity in the seventh inning. It was a flyout to start the inning by Cruz, and then Kyle Seeger picks up a base hit. There was something brewing in this inning but the left fielder, who happened to be a pitcher, Travis Wood out there, uh, Woods makes a great catch. Here's the first pitch to Goody. He swings and swats this out to left field. A ton behind it at the wall. Oh. Travis Wood makes the catch. Oh, my goodness. Ten minutes ago, he was up on the mound, and he gets a standing ovation here from over 40,000 inside of Wrigley Field. You can look back on that as Wood. Maybe that's the play of the game for the Cubs. If he doesn't make that catch, bangs off the Ivy. Seager at least gets to third. You have runners on second and third with one down, and who knows what develops from there. But the M's, zeros in the sixth, zeros in the seventh as well. And then in the seventh, the Cubs would crawl a little bit closer. Here's the pitch. Swing, and this is slotted towards right center field, a base hit. Martin trying to cut it off. He can't. It goes all the way to the base of the wall. A run is in. Fowler scores. Zobris to second. He makes a turn. Here's the throw. It's cut off by Cano. The throw to Seager at third base. Not nearly in time. And Zobris has a run scoring triple. And the Mariners lead is cut to 6-3. to three. He was on third base, but then Edwin Diaz called on out of the bullpen to get the last out in the seventh. And he does what he has been doing. So impressive. The 0-2. Russell swings and misses three pitches. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night on a slider. Russell didn't even need to bring the bat. Edwin Diaz makes awfully quick work. That will end the seventh. And you look at what he's done so far this year, it's just ridiculous. Best strikeouts per nine in a season, any season, any time, a minimum of 20 games. Chapman from 2014 has the top mark, 17.67. 
including tonight. Edwin Diaz has nestled up to second best ever, 17.64, just mere percentage points behind Chapman. And then Craig Kimbrell in 2010, 17.42. But that's the company that Diaz is keeping with what he is doing, and he would rack up some more Ks in the eighth. The 2-2 to Dexter Fowler. It is strike three called on the outside corner. Diaz strikes him out, and that will retire the side. Three strikeouts for Diaz over the last inning and a third, and that's it for the Cubs. They leave two stranded. What a job by Edwin Diaz. That kid is something special. So the Mariners hand a lead to Ciszek, a three-run advantage. He strikes out the first hitter and Chris Bryant to start the inning. So far, so good. But then Rizzo would double, Zobrist would single, and the first Cubs run would come in. And the one nothing pitch. Swing and a line drive into the gap in left center field. A base hit. Rizzo will score. Zobrist running second, heading for third. The throw to third, not in time. And the throw should have gone into second because Russell winds up on its second base, and now he represents the tying run of the ball game. Throwing to the wrong base, that's another. If you're making a list of things that went wrong in this game for the Mariners, you can add that one to the list as well. And this next play ended up being huge. You want another play to circle on this one? This was it because this could have been ball game, but Contreras hustling down the line just Beats it out. Here's the set and the one-two pitch to Contreras. Swing, ground ball to third. Seager's got it. Second one. Cano's relay to first and safe at first. Contreras. They get the out at second on Hayward and a run will score. Zobris will score from third. It's a one-run ball game. It's now the Mariners six and the Cubs five. Contreras safe at first. Nearly a spike away from turning a DP there and ending the ball game. Instead, the game would continue, and that sets up this to tie it up. And the 0-2 on the way, way outside. The ball gets on by Zunino. Here comes Russell on the score, and the Cubs have tied the game. At 6-6, wild pitch from Steve Ciszek. Russell scores from third easily. The ball ricocheted off that brick wall, the backstop, and went way to the third base side. Russell scoring, and now Contreras is on at second base, representing the winning run of this game. Nothing Zanino could do about that. That pitch was nowhere close, way, way outside. So the wild pitch, the run comes home to score. We go to extra innings, and Cody Martin, he looked good early on in the 11th. The one-two pitch is strike three called on the outside corner. Cody Martin has been outstanding. He strikes out Addison Russell. That will end the inning. And Cody Martin in relief has retired all six batters he's faced with three strikeouts along the way. Matchup, though, did not favor the Mariners in extra innings because the Cubs unleashed the back end of their bullpen, which is nasty. Chapman pitches an inning. Scoreless. Rondon was on for two. He had been the Cubs' closer and excellent this year in his own right. Hasn't gotten a ton of attention at the back end of the bullpen, but he has been one of the best this year. And he got some help from his defense as well. A tremendous play by Russell. Rondon kicks, fires. Heredia swings. Late one. Hopper stabbed by Russell down to his thigh and short. Throws to first in time to get Heredia. Oh, my goodness. That is depressing. Yeah, that's the perfect word for it. I think for Mariners fans in the 12th, bottom of the 12th, this is the situation. A leadoff double by Hayward. 
Good speed. He tags up on a fly ball to center field. So he's at third base. There's one out. The Cubs have used just about everyone. I mean, already in the ball game. In fact, you go back early in the ball game to the third inning where Hamill, one of their starters, already came on to pinch hit, already had a pitcher pinch hitting, already had a pitcher playing left field, and another pitcher would come on. Out of guys, Lester with his lifetime batting average well under 100, comes on and uh, looking to drive home the winning run. Hayward at third base with one out, looking to squeeze, and he would get it down and win the game. Two balls, two strikes now on Lester. The 2-2, he shows bunt. He bunts it in front of home. Here comes Hayward. The scoop, the throw home. Not in time. Cubs win. Hayward safe. John Lester... With the suicide here in the bottom of the 12th inning, Hayward breaking down the line, and Lester is getting his clothes torn off halfway between first and second. He got it down. Give him credit. He got it down with two outs. It was a perfect bunt right in front of home plate. There was nothing the Mariners could do about that. Hayward runs well. He was steaming down the line. He scores, and that completed the heartbreak for the Mariners. They fall 7-6 to six in 12 innings. So a heartbreaker for the Mariners as they fall to the Cubs. Chicago takes the series. What could have been really a tremendous road trip, a chance for a 5-3 and three road trip, which is pretty remarkable considering Toronto, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. Still ends up 4-4, four and four, which I think you would have taken before it started, but certainly last night's game leaves a sour taste in your mouth as the Mariners fall to the Cubs. But now a huge homestand, 10 games, and we'll talk more about this coming up in the days ahead as well. Ten-game homestand, four of them against Boston, three of them against Detroit. Those are two teams the Mariners are looking directly up at. So a chance, an opportunity in the next ten games to really make some noise. And, of course, King Griffey Jr. weekend as well coming up as uh, the Mariners celebrate, and we celebrate King Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. So, it's going to be a spectacular weekend coming up, but a big, big 10 games for the Mariners. So right now, let's go ahead and give things over to Rick Riz. He is sitting in a bullpen banter, pinch hitting. Mariner catcher Mike Zunino, and we're going to find all about uh, Mike Zunino. Mike, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what was it like in that area of the country as a kid. Oh, man, I grew up in uh, Cape Coral, Florida, right on the Gulf side of uh of Florida down south. Not too much there. That's where a lot of people go and retire. So it was, it, it was very slow paced, but we were uh, minutes away from the beach. So it was nice to uh, be around that, be around the beach, and uh, be outside when I was growing up. Okay, besides being around the beach, what kind of hobbies uh, did you have as a kid growing up there in Coral Gables? Oh, we were, we were just, well, we were just uh, as a group of guys, just kids that went out there, played everything basketball, football, whenever we could get out there, play some sports. That's what we did. And then once we got into high school, it was sort of more the baseball scene going through school, but sort of the typical, not too much going on in our town, uh, try to find stuff to do without getting in trouble. Did you play football in, in high school? I didn't, no, no. Uh, it was something I wanted to, but uh, really started looking into baseball and playing that more, more year-round. I think you made the right choice. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, school. What was your favorite subjects in school? I was always okay at math, but I can't say I had a favorite subject. I mean, it was it, it was always, all right, let's get the schoolwork done and just be able to go out and play some sports, play baseball, do all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, math always was something that came easy to me. Everything else, the English, the writing, stuff like that isn't, isn't too appealing <laughs> to me. So uh, I stuck to what I was good at and tried to take as many of those classes as I could. 
Mike, you have such a great personality. Did you ever act or do anything like that or play a musical instrument or anything? No, no, I, I was... I was not given any type of musical ability. Uh, did, did, didn't do too much in the acting field. But, uh, no, it, it was something where uh, just something that never really appealed to me. I, I was more outdoors and doing all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, music was definitely the lowest on the totem pole. I'm, later on, I'm going to ask you your favorite karaoke song. But anyway, oh, that, that might be kind of – I'll let you think about it if you, if you want to go there. <laughs> I don't know if you do or not. But uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, if, if they made a movie. Of the Mike Zunino story, what actor would play Mike Zunino? Oh, that's a tough one. I couldn't tell you. Brad Pitt. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, he, he, he Brad Pitt would do me a little bit more justice on the looks department, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's done some good roles, so why not? Favorite food? I mean, you come from an Italian background. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty much Italian. What would it be? I'm, I'm a big pasta guy. I mean, you go anywhere from some tortellini or ravioli to. Um, I mean, anything. I mean, I'm not picky when it comes to that, but grew up, like you said, within an Italian family with a lot of, a lot of pasta dishes and stuff like that, so it's, it's easily the favorite. Can you cook? A little bit. Uh, now I, I do a little bit more grilling and stuff. My wife is one heck of a cook, so she does most of it, and then when we throw stuff on the grill, I, I, I take care of that part. What's your favorite thing to grill? It's always great to throw a steak on there. We, we throw a chicken, pork chop, anything you can, anything you can throw on there uh, I experiment with. Who was your favorite team growing up there in Florida and your favorite players? Uh, I grew up watching a lot of the Marlins. Started catching, I was watching Charles Johnson, but my favorite player was Jeff Conine and Edgar Renteria. I just grew up, I was playing shortstop, and Edgar Renteria was there, and I just always always liked watching Jeff Conine play. So those were sort of the three guys growing up that I watched. If you could have dinner with any one person, who, who would it be? Oh, man. You'd one like person. to spend some time with to find out, you know, what they did and their character, and uh, who, who would that person be? I think it would be pretty interesting to maybe, I'd say Johnny Bench, just because, I mean, obviously being a catcher, just being a, a guy that, you mean, enjoys being back there behind the plate, I mean, he's arguably, I mean, the best catcher to ever do it. Yeah. Just to sort of see what he has to say about it and, and, and sort of pick his brain, but I've, I've read some stuff on him and just sort of the personality was was very carefree and easy and he had a good time and just sort of see what he did to, to become who he was. And, I mean, I, I, I know that he's gone through some stuff as a child and stuff, and he, he's obviously done stuff that's that's turned his life around it's pretty cool to see were you always a catcher mike no i I played some shortstop about you mean three inches and 50 pounds ago but uh (laughs) no it it, i moved back there probably uh my sophomore year of high school just fell in love with it 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 was so fun to be back there i think the game's differently i mean just sort of stuck back there tell you what i'm glad you decided to catch your outstanding catcher buddies great to have you here thanks for being our guest here on bullpen banter thanks rick thanks for having me and now here's aaron goldsmith very interesting conversation with joe madden Joe, it's a treat to catch up with you a little bit here inside your office at Wrigley Field. It's been a while since we've seen you since you moved to the National League, but yeah. your Cubs right now have the best record in baseball. And and one of your great quotes, even I, I think even when you're with Tampa Several. Bay, okay. yeah, we're going to narrow it down here a little bit. Never permit the pressure to exceed the pleasure. Right. And based on the record, it would seem like your Cubs, many of them very young, are doing a good job with that. How would you rate them? Yeah, they've been outstanding. We really try to approach uh, every day, one day at a time kind of a situation. And uh don't let the, the previous day carry into the next day, either good or bad. We just try to come out here and really stay in the present tense as much as we possibly can. Um, I want them to have a good time. I want them to be themselves. I want them to show up. I don't want any kind of convoluted version of them. I don't want them to be worried about making mistakes. I want them to take risks. Those are the kind of messages I try to get out to the boys. 
you've been managing a long time. Your managerial career began when you were 27 years old in Idaho Falls. And the game has changed a lot since then, and it continues to change a lot. With that in mind, how would you describe the job description of a modern-day major league manager? Um, you know, part, a big part of it is obviously communicating, uh, whether it's with your group, with the press, with, 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 the, with the fans. There's a lot of communication involved with it. I think there's a lot of patience involved with it. I think that you have to be able to um, uh, understand the word change and flexibility. I think that's a big part of it. But the, the game is, is, is always the same, but it's constantly fluid, uh, i.e. The, uh, the influx of the numbers over the last several years, the, the numerical component, the sabermetrical uh, component, but at the same time having to remain consistent and constant with, with the past and the mm -hmm. fundamentals of the game. So there, there's there's a lot of different nuance. I think um, today's manager has to be able to understand all of that. And I also believe that if you if you fail or are unable or unwilling to want to change or remain flexible, at some point you will deem yourself unemployable. You probably call Hazleton, Pennsylvania home, and just west of there, well, more than maybe just west, a little ways west, Denora, Pennsylvania, which has created two of the best left-handed hitters in the history of baseball. Stan Musial first. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, more recently, Ken Griffey Jr. You coached against Griffey. When you think about Ken Griffey Jr., what comes to mind? Home run in Bellingham, Washington, when I think he was 17 or 18. Whenever he, when he, whatever he first said, whatever that first year mm -hmm. was, I was roving, and uh, the Salem Angels were playing up there against the uh, Bellingham, I think they were the Mariners. I think they were the Mariners. And this you know, skinny left-handed kid comes on up there and just on – furls and all of a sudden the ball just jumps that ballpark dimensionally is one of the smallest you've ever seen but nobody it was like here like yesterday at Wrigley when the wind's blowing and it doesn't go anywhere he just punctured the atmosphere up there and the ball went really far and I said wow who is this guy because you hear about him I was a scout too at the time so that was my first impression of him then of course as an angel him climbing walls and hitting homers and he's the first guy I introduced the shift to with the angels in the mid-90s when TC, when Terry Collins was managing um, there. So a lot of memories of him. I've gotten to know him now, really a good fellow. We, we talk whenever I see him down in spring training, whatever, but a uh, pretty substantial career. Joe, you've seen Felix Hernandez at seemingly his very best in Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, the perfect game. 15 strikeouts. Before that, a perfect game at Safeco Field in 2012. When Felix is at his top of his game, how good is Felix Hernandez? Well, he's, he's virtually unhittable, and he can be perfect. I've seen that. <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, I don't know where his velocity's at these days compared to what it had been because he used to throw really hard. And then he, he has this Bugs Bunny changeup, man. People don't even talk. Everybody talks about these other things, but his changeup is ridiculous. So when, I, when I've seen him really well or good, it's the velocity's been up, command with the fastball is outstanding, and then the off-speed comes off of that. Very competitive, um, you know, high-energy delivery, I think he's, there's some deception to the hitter there also. But he's also a great guy, and he has a lot of fun, and I like that kind of stuff, as you well know. So he brings it all, uh, the, the entire package to the table. I hear he's a great teammate, too, and he's, just, he's one of the best pitchers we've seen. Your view of Felix's perfect game, most of that came from inside the visiting clubhouse at Safeco Field. You were ejected from that game. Paul Ammo had, a, I thought, a very generous strike zone <laughs> that day. And... Uh, we're in a hunt, you know. I think that was in was it in August. Was it, okay, it was in August. So we're we're fighting away, and um, it, was, it was one nothing, I believe, yes. at the time. So um, I just didn't like the the idea that people get caught up in the uh, the moment, and all of a sudden he's tough enough to as opposed to giving him a couple extra inches on both sides of the plate. So I made my um, my feelings known, and I think it was it was taken at that time that I was 
trying to take him out of his rhythm, which I was not. I was trying to get us into ours. Wow. Uh, but give him credit, man. He pitched really, really well. And I did watch that. I think it was a nice glass of cab finishing it off. Joe, let's end on, I think you're a good candidate for this. Some word association? Sure. Wrigley Field. The best. The, be- I mean, the best venue in all of sports. Edgar Martinez. Clutch. Hated to see him. Uh, the, uh, and I used to have conversation with him a lot because he was a third baseman in Bellingham when I was uh, managing in Salem. So he, used to, he doesn't probably remember it, but I had a lot of conversation with him at that time. But clutch. Jake Arrieta. Uh, cyborg. Ken Griffey Jr. Smooth. Araldo's Chapman. Dynamic. Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez. Um, change up. And finally, because I know you love it so much, the Pacific Northwest. Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. And finally, it's time for the week that was. This is the week that was. A look back on highlights and events of the Mariners past week. On Mariners Magazine. George Kenneth Griffey Jr. Ken Jr. The Kid. Seattle American League 1989 through 1999, 2009 through 2010. Cincinnati National League 2000 through 2008. Chicago American League 2008. A five-tool center fielder whose sweet swing and winning smile made him a dominant force and fan favorite, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. Over 22 years, hit 284 and totaled 630 home runs, including seven seasons of 40 or more. A 13-time All-Star, winning game MVP in 1992, also won 10 consecutive Gold Glove Awards. Named 1997 American League MVP, homered in eight straight games, tying Major League record, first overall draft pick in 1987, easygoing nature and love of the game helped define a new age for baseball's popularity. From the day I got drafted to my first at-bat in the kingdom to the 95 playoffs. From my first trip back to Seattle as a member of the Reds and then my return to Seattle in 2009 to my retirement in 2010, Seattle, Washington has been a big part of my life. There are so many things, great things that I could talk about but we'd be here all day. But I'm going to leave you with one thing. I learned that one team will treat you the best, and that's your first team. I'm damn proud to be a Seattle Mariners. There goes Dale. Here's the pitch. Swing it. This is crushed. Out to right field, and this game is tied. Kyle Seeger, home run number 20. The Mariners have tied this game up in the top of the third. Gutierrez led off with the first pitch going deep after right. And Seager finds nearly the same spot. Mariners four and the Pirates four. It's definitely, you know, an accomplishment for me. You know, it's something 
you know, I didn't think I would, I would be able to do. So, I mean, it's definitely a, a positive for me. So, you know, it's, it's something I don't take for granted. The 2-2, swing and a ground ball out to Cano at second. Charges, one-hands it, the throw to first, in time to get Marte. And this ball game is over. The Mariners win at a final score of 7-4 over the Pirates tonight here at PNC Park. This is Harry Carey from Wrigley Field. Holy cow! The 1-2. Arietta swings and misses for strike three. And Arietta fans for the second time. Wade Miley, a season-high eight strikeouts as he has faced the minimum over six scoreless innings here from Wrigley Field. We go to the seventh. What a masterpiece being painted here on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I knew what was going on a little bit. Try not to think about it. I knew guys in the dugout were kind of getting farther and farther away from me. I don't like that at all. The stretch and the pitch on the way. Swing and a line drive into the gap in left center field. All the way to the wall. Here comes O'Malley. Rounding third Oki. He's going to score. And it's second. Martin with a two-run, two-out double here in the top of the eighth inning. The throw in by Fowler cut off by Russell. And the Mariners have the lead 2-1 to one over the Cubs. Here's the set, and now the 0-1 pitch to Cano. And it's in the dirt, gets on by Montero. Here comes Martin on the score and a wild pitch. And the 0-2 on the way, swing and a miss and a slider, strike three. And then will retire the side, and Diaz gets out of a jam. 4-1 Mariners, bottom of the ninth inning. Runner at second, two outs. Here's the stretch. And the 0-2 to Russell, swing and a miss. Strike three, went after a slider, and the ball game is over. The Mariners will win it. 4-1 over the Cubs this afternoon as Steve Ciszek strikes out the side here in the bottom of the ninth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.